download them, optimize them, and upload them again. That seems silly. People tend to install like 100 plugins and then they're like, why my site is slow? Within, I think the first week had over 500 downloads. Did you move everything to your server and now you're just using API or are there some bundled tools? We'll let you use our API for free in lossless mode only. So how are you guys different and why would somebody pick you over something like Cloudflare? Because we have a $25 plan that's unlimited sites. By the way, I'm a paying customer, just so you know. Hi guys, it's time for another episode of our podcast. Today, I have the pleasure talking to Shane, Shane Bishop. By the way, Shane has the best last name ever because it always reminds me of Mass Effect. I don't know if you know the, the Bishop, the main character in the game, just like really good vibes. And um, yes, uh, so Shane is founder of EU. I don't know how to pronounce that correctly. Sure. Uh, we will talk about, you know, naming of the company a bit later. So first of all, thank you very much, Shane, to thank you very much for joining the podcast and thank you for making the time, uh, you know, so early in the morning. Yes. Yeah. Great to be with you. Looking forward to it. Thank you. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, the, you know, your journey? How did you become founder? Why did you start your company? I mean, what do you do? By the way, I'm a paying customer, just so you know. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that because I was looking back through my emails trying to refresh my memory on what all we were going to talk about. And I was like, wait a second, this is an email from way back with his name on there. <laughs> like, wow, been using you for a long time. Um, so, yeah, it all started a little over 11 years ago. Um, I had started... Uh, trying to build some websites for um, family, for our church. And I'd been um, using WordPress for already six, seven years at that point, just for personal websites, just for fun. And I had set up a website for my in-law's greenhouse and wanted to showcase their plants and flowers, of course. And so they've got a lot of pictures. I was doing some speed testing, had been working on that Um at my day job as well. I worked at a small community college here. I thought, well, doing really good with this site, but the images need optimized. It's like, man, I really don't want to have to download them, optimize them, and upload them again. That seems silly. I was like, well, there's got to be a plugin for that, right? Got to be. Well, kind of. Um, the the ones that were there, one I couldn't run on on my shared hosting. Uh, it was the CW image optimizer back in the day. Is it? And then Smush um, was still yeah. using the Yahoo API at that point, which was chronically unreliable. Um, they would just have outages randomly. And you could only do like really small images. It's like, so what's the point of using it? it? If you can't use it on your big images that need it the worst. I looked at, you know, I can't fix the Yahoo API, obviously. So... I thought, well, what about this other plugin? It, it uses these um, free utilities to compress images right on the server. That seems like a good idea, you know, and not having to rely on some third-party service. All your stuff is done right, right by your own server. But I'm on shared hosting. I was using Bluehost at the time. I thought, well, what are the odds that I can actually like compile and and set up some of these 
open source utilities that I'm more familiar with on this server. And sure enough, they had all the build utilities and everything that you could compile stuff right within your home directory. And so I forked CW image optimizer, called it the U image optimizer. Cause my business at the time was exactly www. So it's an abbreviation and also a little bit of a joke, like you, your images are gross and bloated. Yeah. I, I forked it and rewrote it so that it would use those utilities, um, instead directly uh, in my home folder, instead of having to install them as the root user, if you know what that is, um, I don't have root on a shared server, obviously. So that was kind of how it all started. And I thought, well, I wonder if anyone else could use this. So I submitted it to the WordPress repository and got it approved. And within, I think the first week had over 500 downloads. I thought, oh, I'm onto something here. So it just kind of took off from there. Um, yeah. And morphed over the years into now we have our own API for some of the premium options that we always can't bundle with plugin. Um, we're using some proprietary tech in there. So, yeah, I started like developing websites when I was in high school and, you know, at that time I was running free BSD and, uh, you know, PHP and some MySQL. I really didn't get into WordPress development until, you know, till I actually started you know, working for myself. And it seems like in WordPress, there is a plugin for everything, like anything you want under the sun nowadays, nowadays, it wasn't the case, you know, maybe like 10 years ago, but that's the situation. But one of the biggest pet peeves that I have when it comes to WordPress is that people tend to install like 100 plugins. And then they're like, why my site is slow? Why it's always getting attacked? Why it's bloated and loads so slowly? So obviously having plugins is wonderful. Having plugin ecosystem is wonderful. Um, but can you tell me a little bit maybe more about how can you create a good plugin for WordPress? Because as you probably know in the uh, plugin repository, probably maybe 30, 40% of plugins is something that somebody developed over a weekend or maybe a month. And then they kind of like, Hey, there is. You know, I'm not motivated to keep up with the development. I just like kind of forget about it. And then they become this dormant, you know, orphan plugins that really don't get any updates and so forth. So as I understand, you still have the plugin, but for, as you mentioned, for some premium um, functionality, you are calling back your own server and you do compression on your server and then you serve it um, probably locally or maybe from your CDN as well. I don't know how it works. Maybe you could talk a little bit how it works, you know, um, because as you mentioned before, you just bundled some uh, some tools with your plugin or, you know, you built it in the home directory so you don't have to have root. But now I'm sure it's a lot more sophisticated. Originally, the idea was, yeah, you had to have, you had to either compile it yourself, these tools yourself, the plugin would allow you to say, Hey, here's where I put them. Um, and then it would go in and use them, assuming you did it all right. And that was, uh, I quickly discovered that was asking a lot of the average WordPress user. So I thought, well, there's all these other people obviously that could use the plugin if I could bundle uh utilities. So that's where kind of the next, um, step in the evolution was that started bundling 
uh, Optiping, JPEG, Tran, and Gifsicle with the plugin and using it still directly on the server. Um, a couple of years later, there was still, you know, like if someone's got exec disabled, that's the function that PHP uses to run command line utilities. Well, a lot of web hosts are like, no, you can't do that. We don't want you accessing uh, command line stuff on the server. Um, so they disable that. And it's really difficult to secure that kind of stuff. You've got to be really careful about escaping the command, escaping the arguments. There's a whole lot of considerations there. And so a lot of web hosts are just like, no, we don't, we don't trust anyone to, to take care of all that stuff well enough that it's worth uh, leaving that wide open. And so there's all these people still that even though we bundled the utilities with the plugin, couldn't use it. And so back in the early days, I think probably close to when you started using it, it was just, let's take these utilities, put them on a server that I own or lease from. Um, originally, I had one from HP. They did virtual servers way back then. And then shortly thereafter, and I don't even remember who I started using after that. That was a long time ago. Might have been DigitalOcean, but I, but I don't think I was using them quite that early. Where, where are you hosting your stuff now? Now everything's DigitalOcean. But I, I can't okay. remember if I had started with some of their stuff way back. That was like 2013. So I, it seems like I might have, and then I kind of shifted uh, the compute stuff over to some uh, host that had more high-end uh, processors before DigitalOcean had their um, CPU Maybe Linode or something? Service. Maybe Linode well, or something? I, I, Ramnode was one that had really good. They had like 3.4 gigahertz servers that were just kicking butt. Uh, Vulture at the time had uh, pretty high-performance servers. There was one, oh, they got bought out. Speedy KVM um, was kind of, they weren't real big, but they had servers in Texas and a couple of new locations. And they all had, they they were almost kind of like older gen processors, some of them, or I guess less, they were less cores, I think was was the issue. And a lot of the, the big providers were like, no, we want lots of cores. We don't care about the gigahertz. Um, but for our use case, that's what we need. Um, so performance has always been a big thing. Back to your question about, you know, how do you write a, a plugin that's not a pile of steaming poo? <laughs> you got to be concerned about performance. And for me, I suppose that's probably been, you know, the impetus from, from the very beginning. But that's an important thing. Um, when someone's got 50 plugins, they don't want it slowing down their site. I've got 45 on our main site and it runs fine. Um, yeah, you can have 50, 60 plugins without it slowing down your site too much. Um, especially on the front end, because most, uh, you know, like our plugins should never hardly run on the, the front. Well, unless of course you're using the CDN, then it does some front end processing, but you know, all the but optimization you... stuff happens on the back end. Yeah. You were saying that the, the next iteration was that you bundled everything, put it on your own server, basically. And then probably created like an API or something that the plugin yep. uses. So yeah, we created an API and it was a similar, I think, uh, to the style of Smush, although I can't remember exactly how their Is API it? worked, but where your site uploads the image to our server, our server does the work and sends it back. And then fast forward a couple of years, 2015, we were still doing all lossless. Um, but we had some people saying, hey, there's 
tools like TinyPing and JPEG Mini and some of these cool new um, lossy options that really do a pretty good job of managing the quality and and uh, compression trade-off without making your images look terrible. And so that I started looking into some of those and thought, well, hey, we've got a few thousand, well, maybe not a few thousand, probably a few hundred at least uh, users at that point, maybe a thousand. And we could kind of pool the cost of that because for one person, it was like a hundred bucks a month to use JPEG mini. Like, yeah, okay. If you've got a really big site, maybe. But I mean, if you're, you're running a small blog, there's no way you can afford that. Of course. And and Tiny Tiny Pig was decently expensive. They at least did per image pricing, but it still was on the higher end. And so, well, if I spin up a JPEG mini server and then kind of proxy the stuff through our system, um, we can make that work. And so we did. And so that was the first um, option that we had running there. Um, and then we added uh, PingQuant, which is one of the tools that TinyPing uses. It's an open source tool um, developed by a guy, um, Cornell Lazinski, I think. Um, he works for Cloudflare now. So that was kind of the evolution of the API. It's still pretty similar. Um, we do offer um, TinyPing and tiny jpeg compression uh, through tinyfy now as well we got a sweet deal with them where we've been able to lower the costs kind of in the same vein where we're doing over a million images a month and so we can get lower pricing for everyone that way that's awesome that's awesome but, but is it the is it the last evolution of your product or you know um what happened did like did you move everything to your server and now you're just using api or are there some bundled tools still that come with the plugin yeah so there's still the bundled tools so everyone that's almost everyone that's using free mode is using the bundled tools we did open it up a couple of years ago so if you're on what we call an exec deprived server um, we'll let you use our api for free in lossless mode only so it's basically doing the same thing as what the bundle tools will do uh, but you don't get any of the premium goodies um, but you can still get something um, at least as much as what the free plugin would do um, and that includes webp compression which is lossy so that's um you can get a lot of savings that way awesome um, and then when we added in 2017 a cdn service called easyio cdn and so that instead of compressing all the images that live on your server, it copies your images to our servers as they're requested by the user, does its magic on them, and then delivers it to the user. And then, of course, it caches that so it doesn't have to compress it every single time. Then the last kind of iteration is where we went beyond image optimization with our Swiss performance plugin. Um, I had used WP Rocket and Auto Optimize and a, a few other uh, plugins, but it was kind of a mishmash and there was extra stuff that I wasn't using and I thought, what if we could put all this into one plugin? And so that's what Swiss performance is. It's everything that I use outside of image optimization. Some of the tools that I had already created as well, because I was like, well, none of these are doing exactly what I want. And so I'll build it. And so I had a few of them already built and thought, well, I take those and then add the others that, um, that I don't have built yet. And yeah, we released that, I think, in 2019. Is it a separate product or is it part um, of the... It, it's a separate plugin. 
Um, but if you get our our standard unlimited bundle, um, it includes everything. It includes the original okay. Compress API, where you can compress your local images and save storage. It includes the EasyIO CDN, um, which makes it super dead simple for stuff like WebP conversion and AVIF. And then it also includes Swiss. Wow, that's cool. So you did mention something that I wanted to talk about is uh, Cloudflare, right? Because yeah. I think, um, I don't know if they're, if they're your competitor, but I think they're trying to create this kind of like one-stop shop for everything pretty much under the sun. Every day it feels like they're releasing a new product. They're like, oh, we have this firewall. Oh, we have this, you know. It, um, we have this uh, DDoS um, attack mitigation. Oh, we have this, you know, pages. Now you have Cloudflare pages you can push with Git to Cloudflare and whatnot. So it seems like they're really, really good at releasing new products. I don't know how good is their, is their product offering, but I've been using Cloudflare for quite some time. And to be honest, I like it quite a lot. It's very, It's very easy to set up since you are just changing DNS and after that you can make all the changes in Cloudflare itself and they do image optimization. So my question is, um, and they support WordPress. I think they have a plugin as well, but I think it's mainly for just resetting cache and, you know, all that good stuff. Um, I don't think they do anything, any processing on your machine. I think it's still done, you know, by Cloudflare, even if you use a plugin for WordPress. But like, how are you guys different and why would somebody pick you over something like Cloudflare that does quite a lot already, like for free out of the box? Um, and like you, I've been using Cloudflare for a very long time. Um, I actually set up one of the first 500 sites on Cloudflare. have the t-shirt to prove it. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> they, awesome. They sent out a limited edition 500 t-shirts to the first 500 sites. So it was kind of cool. Uh, but wow. back then it was, it was all for the security stuff, you know, cause it proxies your site, protects you from yeah. bots and all that. And I had been using, um, project honeypot, um, to kind of spam trap, uh, bots that were visiting my sites even before then. And then they said, Hey, we're launching this Cloudflare thing. Try it out. Okay. So I've been using Cloudflare ever since on at least some sites, um, the, Ever since that, I can't remember how long that's been. 2011, maybe? No, that, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, and then they do image optimization and theirs um, is similar to EasyIO, to the CDN side of what we do. And so originally it was like, well, we're doing two different things. We're compressing the images on your server, making sure you're not using too much storage space. And they're, you know, expediting delivery, making sure it's as close as possible to your visitors great grand we're kind of working together that way now it is a little bit more of a, a competitive um deal but i guess one of the main things um that's different is um the auto scaling that we have that's built into our lazy loader that kind of integrates more tightly with wordpress um because they do some kind of automatic you know based on on device speed or connection speed device mm -hmm. size they do some of that. It's a little pricey. I think their lowest plan is still 20 bucks a month per site. Uh, and so that also is one of the differentiators that you're not just paying for image optimization. Then you've got to pay for, you know, the advanced security. You got to pay for the whole Cloudflare package if, 
you want their image optimization. And if you're doing that and using their image optimization and you love it, great. You don't need our stuff. Um, that's awesome because they're, they're providing a pretty good service. Um, but for someone who's not using Cloudflare Pro, um, our, our solution is a lot more affordable. How much um, is especially, it? I was just going to say, especially because we have a $25 plan that's unlimited sites. So <laughs> that's a, a lot, lot difference um, in price. Our lowest plan for a single site is seven bucks. Oh, wow. That's really affordable. And I think you have a free version as well, right? As you mentioned. Yeah. So yeah, there's the free, free version of the plugin that, you know, like I said, it does lossless plus WebP. So you can get, you can save a little bit of, on your, your images, but also get the, the big wins with, big wins with WebP. And then lazy load is included for free. And um, you can scale down your images and auto, the auto scaling engine is included in the free version, although it's not quite as good, but it'll do like any of your images that are already responsive. It'll make sure that just in case you're, you know, if you're using the stock WordPress responsive stuff, sometimes it's not quite perfect depending on how well your theme developer set things up, uh, which sometimes not that good. And so it, it goes in there and says, yeah, this is exactly the size we need. And so it, it picks the exact right one from the, the sources list. Um, but otherwise, if you've got non-responsive images, that's where EasyIO comes in because then it can say, hey, we need this size. It doesn't exist. Give it to us. And EasyIO will go do that. Yeah, it reminds me of, what is it, Image X or something? I think there is another like big player, right? Yeah, I think that's ImageX the name or of it. something. Yeah, Im yeah, yeah. ImageX, yeah. Yeah, ImageX, yeah. Um, Op Optimally started a, a year or two after um, we got going and they're doing a similar thing with, I believe they do auto scaling, but it's that same sort of op image optimization via CDN and short pixel launched um, their version of that a couple of years ago. I think there, there's a few different options and it's, it's very similar. What it is actually built on originally was uh, Jetpack's Photon. Um, image accelerator so that's kind of where it came from and then added some of the front end stuff with the lazy loader that makes it even um, more accurate with the scaling because there, there's been a lot of issues with photon over the years and quite honestly it just doesn't get the attention that it it needs to to improve those things so and sometimes it just with all the different ways you can do things in themes and and css and everything it's really tough to get that right um, so we keep keep pushing the the edge and and keep advancing that. That sounds great. So uh, you know you started this company quite a while ago. So where are you now in terms of you know staff and size? Of course, you know your front page already says that you have one million plus WordPress installs, which I think is quite an achievement. So you know kudos to you guys for making it like really big when it comes to WordPress ecosystem. And you have optimized over 7 billion images. So, you know, in terms of numbers, it's um, it's pretty impressive. But what about your company? Are you still kind of like lean and mean? Yeah, we're still pretty lean and mean. Um, I think it's maybe three years ago, um, I hired Adam um, to help with customer support. And he, it... he loves doing support. That's just, that's his jam. Wow. And so it's, it's really... 
that's taking a, a load off of me. So I'm, I'm helping him periodically with, with some of the more advanced cases still, but um, he's taken on a lot of the, the day-to-day support issues and that frees me up for server management and development and marketing, which I'm not very good at marketing, but I try. <laughs> no, I, I, I like your website. I think when it comes to just like marketing for WordPress plugins, I mean, you know, if you're big enough, then at some point you will just rank really well when people search for like image optimization. There is like internal SEO for the WordPress plugin world, I'm sure. Some yeah, stuff that and, you and do. that's probably been something where we've had a little bit of a leg up since we you it? know, started so early on back in, in 2012, even when uh, Smush got taken over by um, WP Mudev we already had, I think, 100,000 sites using our plugin, and theirs was in decay. Um, they, of course, brought it back and, and made it significantly better, way more reliable. Uh, but, yeah, by that time, we already had gained a, a significant user base and kept on growing. And So it's there's a, you there's a and... a ton of them out there now, so it's, yeah, it's kind of, of crazy to see how many people are using, you know, all these different solutions. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I guess, I guess in a way, but, you know... It leads to, for example, our clients asking us like, hey, what is the best XYZ plugin for WordPress? And I'm like, well, there is there is no best plugin for it. There is like three, four, ten options. And it depends on your needs and your, you know, how sensitive you are to like paid plugins and all of that good stuff. But did I understand correctly that it's you and Adam currently, just two of you? Just the two of us. Yep. Wow. Just the two of us. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. That, that's that's the reaction we get a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just thinking that that uh, obviously support is really, really hard to automate, especially if you want to really serve your customers, you have to provide really good support. So it kind of makes sense that your first hire, so to speak, is customer support. But like if you're thinking beyond, you know, the numbers that you have been able to achieve, I mean, you must at some point hire some additional engineers and like, what, what, what are your aims? Like you have achieved now some very good success, but I'm sure you're not stopping here. Like what, what is the big picture? What is the dream? So to speak. Yeah. So probably the, the next, um, might be, you know, a developer, uh, I'm starting to work with Adam a little bit, um, because he's interested in some of that. So even though he really loves the sport side, he'd like to help out with development. So he'll be uh, starting to take on a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, there, there's a definite possibility that we'll be needing development help. I've got a to-do list a mile long at this point. So <laughs> it certainly wouldn't hurt. Um, but it's, yeah, it's getting getting the revenue to a point where it makes sense to to bring on another at least half time maybe full time person and having you know having enough work to keep them busy for perpetually yeah. you know because I don't want to be like well we'll hire you for six months and then we'll get caught up and well sorry I don't got anything else for you to do which probably is not like they wouldn't take six months it'd be it'd be a while yeah, a couple of years for but, sure right um so yeah and, and maybe you know somewhere in the marketing thing although I don't know. Some of that stuff is, you know, I feel I like having my own spin on things, my own silly, dry sense of humor um, sprinkled throughout our, our help stuff and our, our blog posts and, and whatnot. So 
it's it's a little hard to give up some of that but i gotta have the time to do it or i gotta have someone else do it so that's those are probably the next areas that i'll be looking um looking looking into Uh, but i'm in no rush um we get you know you see some of the other companies and they're doing all these big fancy things and you go man maybe we should be doing that and it's like well we've got a million users we must be doing something right so yeah we, we that's really we focus sure. on support and we make sure that's not neglected make sure we're keeping keeping up on that and um and meeting our users needs um so even though i have a, a to-do list a mile long sometimes there's things that come up you know in support and we've seen it a couple times and then it's like yeah maybe we could do something with that real quick and so we spend half a day or something getting it done and make it happen so uh, in terms of like one million uh wordpress installs um of course i think maybe not most of it but like a substantial chunk is people just using your like free version of the plugin right it's it's not the premium offering that you have so like what's the ratio there like is it uh, you know hundred thousand paid customers or is it very secret <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very small oh really um, yeah it's it's maybe one percent of that we, we've got you know about forty thousand user accounts i think at this point but i would say probably only um five to ten thousand of those user accounts are actually active users is it a little bit easier way to see um so it's hard hard to say i i used to look at that and go oh man that makes it seem like we've only got like five thousand sites using our our stuff but now that we have easy io and we have a little more uh, visibility there and see that's actually probably more and maybe it is closer to a hundred thousand because it's just people using it on multiple sites but we have 25 to thirty thousand uh sites using the cdn right now that's just the cdn people using the api it it could very well be a hundred thousand i haven't ever really run numbers or or tried to track how many different sites are using the api we could that would be maybe an interesting thing to figure out um because when you're sending images remotely it automatically includes your url in the user agent so it's possible that we could you know figure that out somehow yeah that's something i've done yet so so basically you have huge like user base and i think you maybe you don't push hard enough to convert those customers into paying customers like like you have very very substantial uh, like amount of installs but the amount of paying customers is not so big so i guess you're not very aggressive when it comes to you know getting people to buy your premium offer I, I try to make, keep it a little more organic. Um, we've, I think, still never run a paid ad, um, except for 50 bucks I spent on Facebook ads once, but didn't do anything. Of course. Um, <laughs> well, why not? I'll give it a try. It's just 50 bucks, and yeah, it was it was over pretty quick, and was like, well, okay, that was fun. But yeah, we tried to do it a lot more organically. Um, we do have an affiliate program, and so that's that's been um, helpful for us. 
and we did a, a push with AppSumo a couple of years ago um, to do an, a lifetime option that, that really um, got us some different users, got us a lot more agency users, and also allowed us to get some additional revenue and, and spend some money actually on you know our website and stuff because it had gotten a little long in the tooth. It was a theme from around 2015, and I had tweaked things here and there, but it was definitely not the prettiest that's you know some of the the bigger things but but yeah a a lot of this has been you know word of mouth people posting reviews yeah i just think that uh you know there is opportunity maybe to expand to other cms systems no to capture more more you know users yeah and there probably would be um, we've had um, requests for Shopify, and we've probably mm-hmm. had requests for a few others. Well, I know yeah. we've had requests for a few others, but I'm trying to think if we've had requests for ones where it actually makes sense. We've had people ask, like, can I use this on Wix? Does it make sense? No, no, it doesn't. Wix does their own thing with image optimization. I think um, Squarespace, I believe, is the same way. So a, co- a few of those that are more proprietary, they do their own you know, performance stuff on the site, and so it's there's not really anything we can or should do with those. But Shopify is one that definitely interested in. But again, it's one of those things that I can't spread myself too thin. So I've got to have time to, to keep it up, to maintain it, and do a good job with it. And so that's that's something where we're going to need another developer probably to, to be able to take on Shopify and, and do um, some of the expansion stuff like that. I'm just thinking that uh, I was thinking maybe more you know, in terms of something like Drupal, maybe, you know, because Drupal is very popular as well. It's open source. It's very close to WordPress in a sense, because you run it on your own server. You don't, uh, you don't buy it as a service like Shopify. It's not a SaaS offering. Drupal has a very good uh, plugin ecosystem and so forth. Yep. Yeah, that would, that would certainly be an option. I don't know if, if Joomla um, would be popular enough. I almost feel like we've seen some requests for that, though. Uh, but yeah, yeah I've I've used actually all three already? of those in the past. Joomla? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's been twenty, almost twenty years since I've used it. Uh, <laughs> we we used it for an intranet site way back at the first college I worked at. So it's it's been a long time. Back then, it was. What was it called? It was something else, not Joomla. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I remember. They changed their name, actually. You are absolutely correct. Mambo, I think. Mambo Sites or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, yeah, so Drupal definitely, you know, I I feel like that's more developer-centric. Yes. At least it was when I was using it. It is. Um, But I could definitely see... You know, one of the things I think that sets our plugin apart from a lot of the others is the flexibility, the customizability. Uh, we've got hooks for everything. We've got overrides and constants for everything. And then besides that, we've already got so many options within the plugin um, that you can use to customize things to, to any given site. So that's, so, I think, something that would probably cater to the Drupal audience pretty well. Yeah, I think so. Again. I think so. It's it's less user friendly, if I'm completely honest. At least that's how I feel. It's yep. not as easy to yep. use, but it's way more customizable, and it just feels it's a little bit more stable. And uh, 
it's very opinionated when it comes to development. I think it, it kind of has its own way to do things. And if you're okay with that, it seems like a very good solution. Um, so yeah, I, I think that could be interesting. But as a person who, you know, has the Cloudflare 500 t-shirt, by the way, big props. And <laughs> as a person who probably has seen every possible variation of a good or a bad WordPress website, what do you think people who are building WordPress websites, and they don't have to be technical people, I mean, you know, just people who are buying WordPress websites or, you know, getting some subcontractor to do the website for them. Like, what do you need to keep in mind? Like, what is a good WordPress website that is pleasure to use, that is easy to maintain, loads fast, of course, your plugin installed, but, you know, like, what what is the like in your opinion, like the best practices when it comes to WordPress, because I've seen some horrendous WordPress websites where nothing works, it's very slow, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, just is not a good experience. So, what is your take on that? Um, well, I think one of the things is, is being careful. You mentioned, you know, people with a hundred hundred plugins, and so being careful what plugins you actually put on your site, um, because even one. All it takes is one to, to really slow things down. I had one um, way back. I'd been using Jetpack on the site and used the widget visibility back when widgets were still a big thing. And I have, maybe for some people they still are. Um, I probably use them on some sites where it's just they're still there and I haven't done anything with them, but is widget visibility, which was kind of slick for choosing where different widgets would show up on which pages there. And it was really slick. I thought, man, I don't use anything else Jetpack. So I could just get rid of that and go get a widget visibility plugin. So I found one and I was using it. After a while, I thought, man, things are just getting slower and slower when I try to save a post or do stuff on here. Just weird. Well, I found out that that widget visibility plugin was querying the entire list of users doing that every time I would save a page because it was, had the option that you could show it on different user or author pages, maybe it's something like, weird like that. I can't remember exactly what the, but that was the idea. And it's like, well, that's way, way too much time. It was taking like 20, 30 seconds. Wow. Just for that, that query is, well, and what, you know, when we had 10,000 user accounts on our site, yeah, that that's a little slow. Initially, I just hacked around and disabled that query. I'm not using that. I don't even know exactly what you would use it for. Why would you show different widgets to different people? Yeah. Eventually then I, I went and got a different plugin that didn't even do that. And so now I don't use that plugin at all. So plugins, being really aware of your plugins. Yeah. And it, so things but how do you know feel... which ones are good? How do you know which ones yeah. are good? I actually just wrote an article on that a couple of days ago. Oh, okay. Um, I... So check out our, check out our blog, EWW.io. Sure. Uh, look for the blog. Most recent article is about plugins. You must have plugins. <laughs> yes. I actually check and, it out. Yeah. But yeah. so some of the things that I recommend you look at is of course look at how many installs it has that's not the end all be all because you might find a plugin that's got 5,000 active sites that works really really well it might be new or maybe it's just a niche thing that you know mm -hmm. there's only 5,000 people that can actually use this thing um, and then look at the reviews 
and look at how recently it's been updated. Um, one of the things that uh, is, I think, really a good indicator is if an author is updating the tested values. So in other words, are they checking their plugin with the latest version of WordPress? Because plugin authors don't have to release a brand new version to update that value. They can just update that value. And then that tells you, hey, they've done the testing. And they then that reflects also in the last updated time on the plugin. And so that's a good way to, you know, if you see one that hasn't been updated in three years, yeah, stay away from that. A lot of times that won't even show up anymore in the repository uh, unless you search for it by name. But that that's definitely a good indicator. So last updated, tested up to reviews and and not just you know because if a plugin's got some bad reviews see how the developer handled it um because sometimes honestly bad reviews they're just people being jerks and i don't i we don't get a lot of value out of that most of the time because someone that's just mad it takes someone that's pretty upset to leave a bad review um and they're usually not in their right frame of mind unfortunately It'd be nice if they would cool down a day and then leave a constructive review, right? But that's not usually how it works. People don't operate like that, saying no. they just dump. No, no. So, oh, we, I mean, because we get definitely constructive feedback from our users, but it's usually not in the, the one-star review section. I usually also go to see the recent reviews. I think it kind of reflects better... Yeah the situation maybe yeah with the plugin. yeah so not just to look at you know what's their rating but actually look at like like you said the the recent reviews go and, and read what and see you know i was looking at a plugin that i've been using for anti-spam for ages and ages and they had 200 some reviews i was like well yeah they're still doing okay i guess and then i looked at the reviews and when the company that took over expanded it and you'll probably if you've seen that plugin, you know what I'm talking about. A lot of people were mad. They're like, hey, we don't want this garbage. Well, you can still use it for anti-spam. I still do. Um, but a lot of people were upset about that. And since then, there's been like four reviews in like two years, which is kind of weird. There's a... People just not that happy with it enough to leave a review. I, I don't understand why you would only have that few of reviews in the last two years when they had 200 before that that's something that kind of a trend would be a little worrisome to me so i say i still am using that plugin but may not be for long after i looked through that i was like huh okay so uh plugins definitely uh what about hosting should you go out and buy the cheapest hosting you can get oh goodness (laughs) (laughs) no so don't and, and to be fair, you know, if you're doing just a hobby project, sure, get cheap hosting. Who cares? Um, you're just having fun. But if if this is a site that you want to make money with and it matters to you, you know, you want to support your family or whatever it may be, don't don't skimp on the hosting. Um, you don't necessarily have to go with the top of the line hosting, but don't don't go with something that's going to be two bucks or even five bucks a month. Um, it's just how not much worth should it. you spend? Like what's the adequate amount? It's hard to say. Um, honestly, probably 15, 20 bucks minimum a month. Is it? Um, below that you're getting, you're getting into, um, pretty sketchy shared hosting. I know. Yeah. Like Bluehost is probably still below that. And I haven't used their service for years and years because it would get overloaded. 
And fortunately, they're usually, at least back eight years ago, last time I used them, they were good about moving you to a new server if it got too crowded and you complained about it. But they may not be anymore, and they're also owned by one of the biggest conglomerates, and I don't trust them. So that's not who I would recommend. Of course, we use WP Engine, that's who I recommend. It might be a little expensive for some people, especially just starting out. So there's no no harm in, in going with something a little cheaper. If it's the right fit, Cloudways is a decent option. Is that? Um, because they're, they're cheaper and you get your own server. You know, it's a small yeah. server. It's a, you know, a cheap server, but you're not, you're not usually competing with resources because, um, whether, well, if you're using digital ocean droplets, there's different options, but, um, that's a decent option. What I about, I don't uh, have a lot Keen? of good options yeah. under that threshold. There's, what there's about ones Keenstar? I've used. Have you, have, have you heard about it? Kinsta? Kinsta? Kinsta is yeah. pretty good. Um, Kinsta and Flywheel are both pretty good. I think. It's been a while since I looked at the prices. So I was trying to remember like which which ones are below that. I know, um, Kinsey, yeah, it does have cheaper options than WP Engine, and they, I, I've still I think even got a test site on their system, and their support is great. They were a little bit of a thorn in my side for a couple of years, but I think I think we're back to being friends now. Why? Okay, what so happened? W- one of the evolutions of the plugin was that. Hosts like WP Engine, Kinsta, Flywheel would not allow our plugin, period. Even though they had already blocked the exec function, so you couldn't run it without using our API. You couldn't use local server resources to image optimize. They're like, no, you still just can't use the plugin. What? Why? That's weird. So, well, okay. What if we created a plugin that was a clone of the main plugin? that just used the cloud service, the API service, and didn't even have the option, didn't have the binaries or nothing, so it's safer. And I think that was one of the main things. that They wanted security as well in the other oh, aspects. Okay. They didn't want the binaries even sitting on the server for someone to misuse. That's what we did. So we created this separate plugin for I don't remember how many years, and then WP Engine did something dumb. I can't even remember what it was. But they they screwed something up with our plugin and their must use plugin, and it wreaked havoc. And I thought I'm going to use this as leverage. So I said, "Hey guys, how, how about getting us off the band list?" And so we went through that process and we made a lot of improvements on the security side with you know code formatting, code quality um, to get it up to their standards. And, and make sure that, you know, we batten down the hatches. There's no possibility of security leaks and really locks it down good. And I was like, okay, let's go. So that was when we finally started to see that shift where we could start using our plugin all all the others. Well, so I thought, well, contact Kinsta and see what they think. Because WPN is one of the biggest players and they unbanned us. And Kinsta's like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. You know, we could, it makes sense because you're not allowing the exec function. Because even, even in our plugin, if exec is disabled, or even if it's on one of those hosts, we're like, no, you can't use it. You got to use the API. It took two years for that process to complete. Wow. So that was the, yeah, they had it done in a few months. 
And then there was some holdup with updating their must-use plugin that was like, really? We're waiting this long? And if you asked for it, they would update it. So that's what we had to keep telling people. They were like, hey, Kinsa says your plugin is banned. Yeah, just go tell them to unban it on your site. Okay. Well, at least there was a loophole of some sort. So yeah. that was good. Yeah, they were they were willing to work around it, and they were trying to make sure their their support engineers knew about it. But yeah, it was just two years. It was, uh, but they finally got that that back in shape. To be fair, I think they were working on some pretty big stuff, and so once that finally got done, then that kind of, and I don't know what their development team looks like. I don't know how big that is, but I imagine there was some bottlenecks and. Not not enough people to to get that push forward. So, yeah, it's all about priorities, sure. So when when it comes to plugins, uh, completely understand. Same, you know, um, I have um, we are on the same page. Uh, when it comes to hosting, I I always say that you know you should probably pay about like fifty bucks for hosting minimum if uh, your business depends on the website staying up and just you know being available and so forth because at that price range you usually get some good stuff you get some really good backups you get maybe a staging server as well so that you can do some testing you know support usually becomes a little bit more responsive at that price range so you can actually get somebody you know on the phone maybe even and so forth so yeah for sure don't go with the cheapest hosting and you know probably get hosting that is closest to your end users of course there are cdns and other cool things you can use but if you are just like if you just want to run your website you know you don't really want to wonder too much about cdn i don't want to set it up at all you know get hosting from the place where you know most of your users are yeah definitely so you know if you're in europe or or asia somewhere and you're not in north america where a lot of you know web hosts have their locations Yeah, definitely look at a, a local option. Um, some of the big ones, of course, have global locations, and so that works out well. But yeah, I, location is definitely important if you're wanting to, to make sure that's fast because I, I've seen, you know, even, well, it's not that close, but, you know, thinking something, well, just North America to Europe, they have great transit lines and whatever, but it still takes time, and yeah. that triples, at least triples, the time to first bite and then everything else is slower um so yeah definitely uh something to consider is make sure make sure web host has locations where your visitors are located and maybe the last one that is really a big part of this whole puzzle is a theme so there is so many ways to you know get a theme on wordpress you could go out to envato or theme forest and you can buy a theme for like i don't know what is it like 40 bucks 50 bucks something like that you could actually have some uh, wordpress shop create a theme for you and and it could be absolutely from scratch or you could do something yourself you could get a free theme or maybe even use some stock themes even though i don't think anybody uses them but i could be wrong it feels like they come bundled in with WordPress, but I've never seen one in the wild. I've never seen somebody actually use it, but I'll surprise you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there are people who do that. But the biggest problem that, I, that I've seen is that clients usually when they 
like buy WordPress, they usually buy WordPress website because, or they commission somebody to do it for them because they've heard that WordPress is most popular, easy to use, and maybe they have some previous experience with it. But nowadays there are just so many ways to do things in WordPress. So you could have an Elementor website, right? Like you install Elementor and mm -hmm. then everything becomes drag and drop. And it's, you know, uh, it's not a very good solution for a large website. That's for sure. Like, I think that's an understatement. Um, yeah. Then you could also, you know, have a, something like Genesis theme, and then you could create a child theme based on it. Like, but the end user, like the customer who is, you know, paying the bills, he has no way of verifying that the theme was created properly. It adheres to WordPress standards and so forth. So how can you navigate in this, uh, you know, weird environment where everybody says the same thing, like, hey, you know, your website will be so easy to use. Everything is drag and drop. It's easy. It's super fast. But then when you look at the code underneath, it's just garbage. That's a tough one. Um, we're using a, a custom built theme on UIO. And like I said, I'll, I'll shock you. I, I have a site that uses a stock default 20-something theme. Um, wow. Actually, that, fir that first one that I built for my in-laws, I don't remember what I built it on originally. Yeah. Um, but it's not using the same theme anymore. Now it's actually using, I believe, 2017 is the theme it's using. Um, and they haven't been doing as much with it in, in recent years, so I've just left it on that. And it looks pretty, so it's fine. Um, but, yeah, it, that is definitely... And you look at the, the numbers, there's a lot of sites using the stock default themes, but oh, really? that's not necessarily, there's quite, yeah, it's, it's shocking when you look at the active installs, how many people are actually using those. It's like, wow. Um, so, and, and to be fair, some of the more, you know, recent ones with full site editing and stuff, you know, allow a ton of flexibility. Um, but honestly, for someone getting started i don't know if full site editing is necessarily the best option i'm not even using that so it, it seems like there's a lot to learn when you when you go that route whereas a theme that's you know can use blocks but yet still gives you a framework and kind of a template to work within i think helps um for for a beginning user helps them navigate things a lot a lot easier is it going to be performant I think that's something that honestly you just have to test because I haven't seen any particular themes that I'm like, oh yeah, these are the most awesome code ever. I honestly don't look at theme code very often. Even performance wise, it's kind of hit and miss. Sometimes you have a theme that's really popular and it's just dog slow. And then sometimes you've got, and then you got ones that are, that are great and that, you know, they work pretty well. Elementor and Divi probably aren't the greatest they're some of the most popular but th they're not speedy and even working with elementor they've they've been resistant to some of the changes that could make it um work with our our services and plugins better just because it's more work for them okay and they're like, yeah no we, we we built it this way we like it better and we're not going to change it and it's like okay fair enough so there, there's been things that we've done to, to work work kind of within that constraint to to make things work um, better but it still still limits our ability a little bit yeah i i've got a, a friend here locally that believe they're using genesis Is themes and they they've been big fans of that and from what i've seen 
Um, their sites run decently well. She uses, of course, our plugin on everything. Of course. Uh, but <laughs> she didn't used to, but she does now. Um, and we, yeah, we co-host a, a local meetup here in Glendive and yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun chatting. And so I, I've seen a few of her sites that use Genesis and we've, you know, looked at different things and generally they run pretty fast. So that's really kind of the only pre-built ones. Well, I shouldn't say that on, on one of my demo sites that I've done, um, I use ocean WP, which I think works with Elementor and it's decently fast. But again, you got to be careful. Um, yeah, of course. If, if you if because those page builders, sure they're easy, but they also let you do stupid things too. So just be careful of that just because it's pretty doesn't mean it's smart or clever or useful for your users. Sliders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, we didn't talk about uh, where are you based. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit and. Maybe like, did you incorporate um, like right away when your plugin started to get traction? Like, how did you transition from the you know working for somebody to being basically a founder of a cool startup? Yeah, so I'm in Glendive, Montana, in the United States, um, and so it's middle of nowhere and pretty pretty small. T- not the smallest. There's much smaller towns around here, but. Smaller town than a lot of people are used to. Yeah, so at and Adam's in St. Louis, so it's it's all remote. So yeah, how did you make the transition? Yeah, no right, problem. That transition. Transition, um, yeah. I don't remember exactly when it was, but pretty pretty early on, I think I had initially just kind of tracked because I was doing kind of web development stuff for my in-laws and for our church and um, a couple people in town here, and so I was just keeping track of those transactions. And I thought, you know, I probably should have a separate bank account for that. Um, and so I set that up pretty, pretty early on. I don't know that it was necessarily before I started the plugin. Um, but then of course the plugin was free for year and a half before I started monetizing anything and had any paid service. But for sure, by that point I was like, yeah, I gotta have separate bank account. Um, got to get set up with the state and, you know, it wasn't necessarily, yeah, not in, incorporated necessarily. Um, so in the U S we can do like an LLC for a, you know, if you're a solo developer or whatever, and to set up a business entity. And so that's what I've done on that end of things. And so, yeah, that was, that was pretty early on. So like, if I'm going to start bringing in any amount of money i want to make sure this is set up right and that people can see that hey this is a legitimate business it's yeah been registered properly and you know this is this is legit so awesome. i think that's important one of the other things just kind of a side tangent but one of the things that i think is is helpful and important if you're trying to appeal to a, a bigger audience um is using your own domain for email um, of course email is great and it's free or whatever you're using for email. But when you are emailing clients and customers from that, it doesn't look very professional. So try to use your own domain for email. I think that, I think that goes a long way um, in, in establishing user trust. For sure. For sure. And now just a few questions before we wrap up. You mentioned that uh, you do a little bit of marketing yourself. So the blog and so forth. So 
you know, like, how did you grow your business? I mean, somebody who works alone, basically, you only hired uh, Adam just uh, recent, like more or less recently. So you've been doing developing, support, marketing, maintained your website, and, uh, you know, everything else, administration and so, so on. So how did you manage to grow your business? Like what really worked for you? Did you attend like WordPress events or did you talk to agencies locally? Like how did you just grow or was it just organically people thought like, hey, this is awesome plugin and pretty much like through the grapevine, they've, you know, um, got more users for you. Yeah, it's it's been almost all organic. Um, and so I can't really take a lot of the credit for it because it's, it's just been, yeah, it's just been people spreading the news and, and, you know, letting, letting others know about our plugin. It's, it's hard to say, or, or even pinpoint it on any one thing. Um, I know one of the, the bigger sites that we've worked with and, and some of it's been, you know, getting connected with different companies and can, I can't necessarily take credit for that because I don't go out looking for for people to, to promote our products necessarily. Um, a lot of them come to me and, and it's been, um, it might sound weird to say, but it's been kind of a God thing that he just has directed things. And I go, Whoa, I, I could never imagine like one example is with tiny ping. I had been struggling a little bit with the JPEG mini setup and they contacted me when I was kind of thinking about it, but I was like, man, it's kind of expensive. I don't think we could do that. And they contacted me and were like, Hey, we wonder if you would be interested in working together. And I was like, well, okay, I guess so. And it's, it's been a great, um, great deal for our users. Um, yeah. So it's been pretty cool to see. Yeah. So pretty much organic, I, I would assume. And, uh, nowadays probably most of the people, they find you through the plugin, you know, um, system in WordPress, right? That's how they search for you. Most likely, like maybe there are a few keywords that you rank really highly for and people find you that way. Yeah. There's probably some search stuff. And of course, you know, image optimization performance, um, is a part of search engine optimization. It's not the most important part. Yeah. So don't get caught up in, in that whole, in other words, don't, don't do that to the exclusion of doing your job and, and doing other things because writing good content and making a useful tool is, is way more important than, um, than a lot of other things. So yeah, content always trumps everything else. Performance is, is a very small portion of the search engine rankings. It's important, but it's still just a portion. It's, it's not the whole picture. Yeah. The way that I think about performance is that you don't optimize performance for search engine. You optimize performance for user experience because the user experience is much better when site is snappy. You can, you know, browse more products. You can see more pages. You are just, just generally you feel happier if I could say that. And user experience, good user experience influences SEO in most cases. So I think they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, and I think that kind of ties into our marketing efforts or lack thereof um, <laughs> with the the user experience. People have good experience with us because of our support and our focus on support, and that 
trickles down to more users and more users and more users. Um, whereas if we just got all the technical bits right and we spent money on advertising, not necessarily going to be awesome if we don't provide good support, if we don't back it up. Yeah, you get you got to make it good for your users. And that's ultimately what Google and other search engines are looking at. Are you making your site a good experience for your users? They're trying, even though there's ways to game the system, they're trying not to allow that um, to to dominate the, the search rankings. They're trying to make it focused on, is it a good experience for your users? Because yeah, they want completely. to deliver a good experience for their search users as well. And if they send you to a crappy site, then like Google sucks. Yeah, exactly. They, exactly. And they that, don't because they're they're sending it usually to the good sites. So, yeah, for sure. And now that there is uh, even more competition, maybe now for the first time in many 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 years, Google actually has a competitor, being thanks to ChatGPT integration and whatnot. Yeah. So I, I definitely think that they even more will double down on user experience and making sure that people are actually happy using Google. But I think we've been talking for quite some time, Shane. This has been just wonderful. You're so happy-go-lucky person, smiling. And I can see that you actually enjoy what you do. And, you know, you are definitely growing your business. But I don't think you're aggressively growing your business. I think you're kind of, you're letting things happen as they should happen. And you don't really look for that, you know, I, obviously I think you didn't get any funding, right? You didn't raise any funding, you so, bootstrapped and everything basically done out of your own pocket yeah. using your own time. Yeah. And, and I think that's important because even I mentioned the AppSumo lifetime deal that we did a couple of years ago. And I think had we done that way early on, well, one, they probably wouldn't have done it because we weren't mature enough in our product offering, but it, it might have might have been too much where we couldn't handle that influx of, of lifetime users. Um, whereas a product that I've been using for a while just announced they're closing up shop because they had too many lifetime users oh. and they didn't grow organically enough and now they just can't handle the cost. And so that sort of thing can happen if you try to, I think if you try to move too fast um, and try to move beyond yourself, um, I, th I think it can be a recipe for disaster. So grow at your own pace. Don't try to rush things. Be realistic with what you can handle and, and focus on that. That's good. That's really good. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Shane. It's been a pleasure. It's been wonderful having you here. And uh, I learned quite a lot myself. And now if somebody is looking to create a chat GPT wrapper and publish it as a WordPress plugin, hoping to get millions. I think they might think twice now. <laughs> they I'm might sure think so. twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But I, I really appreciate your time, Shane. It's been wonderful. And uh, let's stay in touch on LinkedIn. And uh, if there is anything I can do to help, let me know. But I'll be definitely checking out. I actually wrote it down, have some notes. I'm really looking forward to testing the Swiss plugin that you mentioned the the all-in-one performance plugin to replace like uh wp cache and stuff like that so this is looking yeah, forward to that one of, one of my favorite features probably one of the might be one of the lesser known performance things but it's kind of like asset cleanup pro where you can disable certain javascript and css assets on any given page 
Um, and so I was using a different tool and it didn't have quite the flexibility I wanted. So that was part of what I rebuilt into Swiss when I built that. So I love that being able to, because there's certain scripts that you need to have, um, that don't need to be on every page. And it's honestly, especially with CSS from a developer standpoint, it's really tough to, to nail down CSS for a specific page or a specific use or like a short code or whatever. Um, it's because you usually have to enqueue your CSS in the head and then you've got your content down below. You've already enqueued your CSS. How do you connect the two? So it can be really tough for a developer to, to get those two lined up. Um, so something like Swiss really helps with that. Awesome. Looking forward to testing that out. Thank you again. Shane, and it's been a pleasure. And I hope all the best to your company. I think you have a bright future ahead of you, that's for sure. With that attitude of yours, I think there's nothing else but success. Yeah, thank you. It's 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 been fun. It's been a great 11 years and looking forward to many more. Thanks. Thank you. Take care, guys. And remember, everything that uh, Shane mentioned is in the show notes. So just make sure to check out the website, the plugin, the blog post, we will link to that as well. It's uh, you must have plugins, uh, must have plugins essentials. Definitely we'll link to those. And yeah, thanks so much. Have a good day, guys. Take care.